Oh, that's very atmospheric. Yeah, not bad lighting, hey? It's like... It looks it's a, like a little, little bit porn, brothely. Porn, yeah. It looks way less brothely in the actual room, but yeah, I, I just set up the camera now. It's like, ugh. Yeah. It's like I got like a little gimp mask in the corner. <laughs> you know, genuinely, you know it's it strange because you're in a black t-shirt. It's It looks a bit like your background's one of the Skype, like, you know, step out of the camera, it takes a background and then it like puts you on a roller coaster. It kind of looks like you're not there. Yeah, like the uh, the fake office backdrops. Yeah, yeah. I'm how, at work. How, how weird was how weird was that as a phase? Like we'd have like actual Skype calls like for work, and then people would put on like a fake just room. Like they'd have <laughs> yeah. their actual room, but they'd put on a fake room. For but did backdrop. anyone ever genuinely do that? I did. Oh, okay, so but you did it as a bit. No, or did you try and cover the? You were embarrassed by the backdrop. You felt like your room didn't live up to the expectations of a workplace. It was more that I think it was more like a privacy thing. Like I don't want people that I work with to see right. what my actual room looked like. Yeah, a pigsty, a disgusting uh, well, hovel. You know, covered no, in. That's not true. You, you know, well, your boy keeps it tidy. You know, <laughs> sure. I'm a tidy guy. But I just, it's like a, it's a, like a step further than I wanted to go with my colleagues. Like I don't want you to see you know, how, you know, what's in my room. I don't want you to see like the, the little bits of art or, you know, the, the, the big dildo sitting on the bed. Yeah. Some things are off limits. Some things are off limits. Not everything. Um, cool t-shirt. Oh yeah. Thanks. You like that? Yeah. Uh, for the viewers at home. Just wearing a shirt that says comedy with an exclamation mark. (laughs) It's a black t-shirt. It's actually, um, and then... Ironically, not in Comic Sans, but there is a large, white-lettered, caps lock, comedy with an exclamation mark, which is, you know, that's a flavour. Um, it's actually a, a merch from one of my favourite comedians, Mark Norman. He's, uh, he's one of his, one of the things that he says, you know, it's just like comedy um, and so Lauren got me this for Christmas, actually. Well, that's very cute. I assumed it was some yeah. sort of a, a, like market purchase when you're out and about in Vietnam or something. And one of those like classic, oh, we don't really quite know what it is we put on this T-shirt, but it's out there if you want to buy it. But no, that that was $55. Uh, yeah. Well, funnily enough, um, it is weird because... Whoa. Whoa. Connection pending. Power just went out. And I, I will always love you. We'll always do a poo Squeezing out of my butthole Is a big brown toe 
So how is Cambodia? <laughs> so part of the uh, part of the fun about living in a developing country is that sometimes the power will just completely go out for uh, a number of minutes, sometimes hours, and there'll be no explanation. But it's just business as usual. Business so, as usual. I apologize. That's okay. It's a it's a very succinct way to get a sense of where you are right now and how how it's going. Yeah. Um, I think what I was saying, if I can just pick up where I left off, is there any point in, in picking that back up? Oh, I don't know. I don't remember what you were saying, so let's see we whether were, it's interesting. We were talking about, well, it's not going to be interesting, but we were talking about my, my comedy shirt, um, and you were saying oh, that right. you assumed that I had picked it up in a, some sort of market in you know Vietnam or somewhere. But yeah. um, it is interesting because people don't necessarily speak English here, but maybe the, the odd fella or, or fella? fellow what's what's the Gal? female version woman um will <laughs> will understand you know an english word but like so i feel like i could wear this wear this shirt and it's just like oh the guy's got like english on his shirt they weren't necessarily right. what it was but we actually would you be Cambodia. self-conscious wearing that in like a out and about in melbourne say because you feel like people would look at you and be like what a fucking wanker Okay, no, I I, bought, I wouldn't think that. Um, okay. It's actually a bit of a it's a bit of a um, uh, a dog whistle to other Mark Norman fans. Um, <laughs> dog whistle is not the word you want to use if you want it to sound like a good thing. Yeah, well, <laughs> I couldn't think of another. I couldn't think of another word. It's like a little uh, like a inside secret handshake, joke, an inside joke. So I I have worn this in Melbourne, and people have yelled out comedy because they're obviously Mark Norman fans. Yeah. But anyway, I was—I'm in Cambodia right now, and I, uh, yeah, we were going to the killing fields uh, last week. Oh my god! And um, I Please put on don't. my shorts, Please and my shirt, Please don't. and my shoes, and went to go out the door. I was like, "Ready for the killing fields, baby!" And Lauren said, "Um, maybe you want to change your shirt." Um, <laughs> and yeah, and don't take a she, selfie. Don't take she, a selfie she, on the uh, Cambodian killing fields in your comedy t-shirt. <laughs> well, you know, she put it to me and she made a pretty good case for not wearing a shirt that says comedy uh, at a place that is known for one of the uh, biggest genocides yeah. in, in history. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, that was one of the few things that I, 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 I took, her, took her advice on. Yeah. See, this is why Lauren is worth keeping around because she stops you from embarrassing yourself on international atrocity sites so good to her exactly what yeah. would i do without her yeah otherwise how's life good yeah man life's good apart from uh, power cuts and all that jazz life is pretty good you know yeah. 32 oh, iced degrees americano. iced americano it's great coffee coffee in southeast asia is just the best it's what i want in a coffee you know i just like an ice i'll have a i'll have an iced americano all through the year in Australia, in June, coldest month, iced Americano. Don't worry about it. I want a cold coffee. I don't like hot coffee. Wow. And in South Southeast Asia, wow. Shut up. Like, shut up, Nick. <laughs> shut that the was, fuck up. That, that was mostly like a sincere reaction. No, I wasn't consciously no, thinking. Wasn't. I wasn't consciously like nagging you. That was just the voice and the words that came out of my mouth. I it think... wasn't a wow moment. We all knew it. It's just fucking shit. This fucking bullshit. Oh, welcome to Deep Fort, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us this uh, this week, this this month, this year, 
and this life. When you could be doing so many other things, your time is precious and we appreciate it. Sitting through the internet with me, my friend, Michael. Hello. 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 Da, 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 da. So, coffee's kicked in. And I'm Nick. Thank you so much. What a pleasure. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it feels like it's been a, a couple of weeks since I've seen you. I do. So you're going to a plant show or something? You mm. said you got a heart out. You got to go see some plants or something. We were going to, and then Casey had a look at the photos of yesterday and looked at all of them and said they were like basic bitch plants. And he was like, imagine, <laughs> imagine being caught dead at that place. And so we what? decided not to go. What's a basic bitch plant? Oh, I don't know. Probably some like generic hoya like a or something. He'd be like, oh, these people are paying hundreds of dollars for a single front. Like what idiots. Um, uh, and I said, that sounds like a classic KC good time going into a room and feeling superior to everyone around you. That's, that's what he loves. That's what he lives for. Mm. But no, yep. we didn't end up going. So um, we, it's just a, uh, a dog walk and then a dinner tonight. Okay. Um, yeah. Did you ever, did you ever get into Venus fly traps? Because that to me is like the opposite of a basic bitch plant. It's like, it's a, it's a plant that has Pinnacle like an plant. attitude. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i did i personally i feel like as a kid when i was like 12 like yeah. i i was given one or something like that and and i i don't know that they really like they don't eat that many flies right like they don't need feeding like every day you put a fly in the pot or something like that so my life was just spent looking at this thing and willing that it would be the moment that it would yeah. be hungry and a fly would just happen to fly past and you'd be able to see it with your own eyes that it like catches a fly. And I think that it was inevitably disappointment. Yeah, I had the same experience. But, you know, you got to take matters into your own hands. You know, if you, you know, grab a toothpick and <clears throat> find a fly and pick up its wings and then, you know, stab it through the with the toothpick and then feed it to the plant, mm. uh, yeah, that that can be interesting. Are you speaking from experience? No. No, I just imagine that you could do that. I think that they're picky. I don't think they want to be fed. I think they want the satisfaction of a kill, you know? Like, I think they're kind of little psychos. They are. They're definitely the most psychotic plant. <laughs> like, and, and manipulative as well. Yeah, like a real red flag. Real red flag. Like, pretending to be, like, a good guy. <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah, and then actually, hey, a come to my house. What I've are you doing? Cool Wolf and sheep's clothes, and then eating you. Yeah, yeah. no good. No also, good. cancel you know, the corpse Venus flower, the one that stinks like death. What's that about? Oh, you know, that's smelly. Yeah, no reflesia. Don't don't plants and all all flora um, need need to be. You know, they they have a reputation for being you know well smelling. Uh, they have know, a reputation you, for being well smelling. That you can you can write put that it on down. a t-shirt. <laughs> put, put it on a t-shirt. You know, it's part of the you know part of the it's it's it's, it's part of the vernacular, Nick. Like it's you know you go out and smell the roses. You yeah, know? yeah. And if you're if you're a flower that don't smell good, like what what's the point? What are you what, doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> Get out of here. Speaking speaking of psychotic, um, manipulative 
things. Flowers. Russell Russell Brand thing just broke this morning, and I'm titillated. You're, oh, that's you're probably a bad t- word to use. No pun intended. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I can't say I'm hugely surprised. I mean, Jesus Christ. No one, like, his no vibe surprised. has been, no one's surprised. speaking of red flags, for like 15 years. Totally. Like, the, the sex addict, reformed drug addict person. But then he's also... He does have a Messiah complex. I think he's got one of his specials is called Messiah complex or yeah. something. And he's got this, like, he thinks of himself as a Messiah, even if he jokes about it. You know, he, he dresses like Jesus. He, he, you know, he preaches like guru meditation, you know, yeah. he's got a cult, you know, he's definitely got all the, uh, all the, all the red flags, um, for being like a predator. So yeah. I guess that's, um, it's one of the things that's like. It, no, no one is no one is surprised by this at all. You could see him as like a cult leader type, right? Like in a different era in the seventies or whatever, he's out in his commune, like free sex and free belief and everything, and like just a posse of people yeah. around him. Very easily slips into that stereotype, doesn't it? Um, yeah, it it's interesting because like I haven't seen the. I think it's like Channel Four has it's has done like released a documentary. Yeah, Sunday Times like, last and Channel Four, I think teamed up or something. Yeah. And that was that was uh, that was released like uh, basically a couple of hours ago, like UK time. And even so, Russell Brand released this uh, or put out this um, this statement on his channel yesterday morning in anticipation of the documentary coming out, saying, you know, some you're going to hear some really nasty things about me, but they're all false and all that. And it's really interesting seeing like all of his followers. And look, I'm not, I'm not, I've, I've dabbled in brand, you know, I've, he's, he'll, he'll come up as a recommended video occasionally on my YouTube channel. Okay. Um, but it is interesting to see all of his, all of these people coming out and saying before they've seen the documentary, Hey, we stand with you, mate. Don't worry. They're kind of, you know, they this is the mainstream media can't handle the truth that you're giving them, you know, like. And that's definitely like the the kind of the pitch that he's making to his his base is that this is an attempt to silence me because I am speaking truth to power and I am telling I'm giving you the news that the mainstream media won't give you, which is just kind of like a a like a it's a wild and almost a narcissistic defense or like a preemptive defense yeah. saying that, you know, you, you are trying to silence me uh, by way of using like uh, allegations of, of sexual misconduct. That is, it's a little bit bizarre Trumpian. Like it's very Trump playbook, totally. right? Of like, get out there and put a different message out very strongly and, and assume the followers have been, uh, taught enough mistrust about the other media sources that you can get away with stating it because you only speak truth and thus totally. discount the other platform. So interesting to see yeah. him in that sort of playbook because I think he has definitely drifted right. And the um, mm. the the most, um, like I, I hadn't closely followed him. I thought he'd had like funny stuff like early 2010s and that sort yeah. of thing, which sadly is when a lot of these allegations come from but um like he had his moments in movies and things 
And then uh, I remember having to recalibrate my perception of him when he came out with that don't vote bullshit when he was talking about how the democracy of the UK is is fucked, which it is undeniably, but that the solution to it was not to participate, which I think is just a, a hideous message. And that really made me think like, wow, if he's going out there and telling people who could actually swing a difference if they you know, were rallying behind a cause and, and took control of, of the UK government or parliament, I should say. Um, and instead you're like poisoning them against the idea of any participatory democracy, then that's a real like toxic kind of, yeah, red flag um, that really made me distrust or dislike him. Yeah, he's, he's kind of an interesting character in a way because he's, he, you know, he's. You think of him initially in those those early years when we probably discovered him. Um, it was like forgetting you know, Sarah Marshall, right? Yeah, yeah, and the the Ricky Gervais kind of heyday and all that, um, and and then he's got and then his his politics have always been kind of front and center of of his act. But and he, but then he's had like he's had that documentary about like he was he was you know pretty involved in the Occupy Wall Street all that kind of very left what you'd think is typically left leaning stuff. But this is this is what is interesting about the political landscape now is that you're seeing all these guys who typically you know or historically were left leaning. Yeah, and I'd include you know Bill Maher in that and you know Sam Harris to a degree um, and Russell Brand where. Because the, the the political landscape is kind of being stretched out, and you're kind of being forced to um, take more of an extreme position either way, or to you know plant your flag. Are you in are you in the red camp or are you in the blue camp? And then th- those kind of those that kind of um, the messages for both of those uh, teams are kind of being stretched apart to more ex- more ex- um, extremities. That it seems like these guys who are essentially, I would say, centrist now, are seeming more right of center. Does that yeah. make sense? And and I think Russell Brand is definitely, you know, some of his videos, the vaccine stuff, the consp- He's like he is. It's a conspiracy podcast at this yeah. point that yeah. he has. But yeah. in his, he's really he not that thinking- different from like an Alex Jones, right? Um, no, totally. Or a Rush Limbaugh, or you know, some of those classic kind of conspiratorial, uh, like right-leaning thinkers. But the difference is, and why it's been a little bit deceptive, or perhaps a little easy to overlook for a while, is the social differences. Like he's still socially left-leaning. Like that, you don't see them yeah. railing against like gay people or against, um, no. you know, like black people or, or that kind of thing. So it's easier to maybe overlook the ideological differences there a little bit when so much of the left's bugbears are against a conservative right that wants to you know prevent abortions and and decriminalize uh, de um, legalize gay marriage and that kind of stuff so it's easy to sort of look over their heads if you like at the the real enemy and 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 miss that switch but you're right that there is a center there and it's interesting because it's almost like uh, do you know the concept of the overton window does that mean anything to you no, the Overton window. Maybe I'll just bring up a natural definition for it because yeah, that would be a bring it up. So the Overton window is the range of policies politically acceptable to the mainstream population at any given time. 
It's also known as the window of discourse. It's named after a policy analyst, Joseph Overton, who stated that an idea's political viability depends mainly on whether it falls within this range rather than on a politician's individual preferences. The window frames the range of policies that a politician can recommend without appearing too extreme to gain or keep public office given the climate of public opinion at the time. So when people mm. are talking about policies and, and, and culture shifting, they're talking about a shifting of the Overton window, i.e. when you're talking about this like pulling of the extremes, we're, we're talking about what's becoming acceptable for a left-leaning or a right-leaning politician or um, voter to talk about is moving away from each other. And so if you're a right-leaning voter now, say in the US, you're much more likely or safely able to talk about like storming the capital and have that be acceptable within your right, you know, leaning spheres. And on the left, you're much more capable of talking about like universal basic income and sort of these uh, things that would have been feared as like communist kind of concepts or yeah. that kind of thing. Um, because those safe windows of what is considered reasonable now have shifted over time. And this is a natural part of like an evolving society. But I think what you're talking now is there's people for whom some of those ideas as perceived as too far still find themselves now in a center away from both sides of the spectrum. And so with the acceptable window now further away from each other, on both sides of the spectrum, left and right, there's also now further gaps between a centrist and each of those positions mm. too. So it feels like that middle ground now is more distinct and more distasteful to either end of the political spectrum. That's very interesting. I think these these guys who... Um, uh, identify as, as as centrist and they're to be honest like the guys that i yeah, i follow probably more than people on either side of the political spectrum uh market themselves as uh people who will think for themselves on on every individual issue and not you know not toe the company line um, and so they, they kind of market themselves as people who are separate from that. But I do, I do sometimes wonder if that in itself um, is its own, is its own like credence or it's its own, its own motto. And it, and that also kind of lends itself to um, being anti, uh, anti the status quo. Like it's almost taking a provocative uh it's a provocative stance on any particular issue. Isn't centrism more closely aligned with the status quo than anything else? Or do you think a centrist of this um, style perceives themselves as, as more intellectual or more... Uh, no, I, I don't think it's about intellectualism. I think it's about um, not having not having a... Um, Okay, we're on the we're on the right, so we believe that you know, you there should be no um, restrictions on gun control, whatever. And we're on the left, and we believe you know in you know that men Free can and become safe women, and blah blah blah. And, yeah. and I think I think centrism is kind of the the idea that you be like, well, I believe this, I believe this about, I, don't, I believe that you know we shouldn't uh, we shouldn't have strict gun laws, but also I believe in abortion, you know. For the woman's right to choose. I think that's what a, what a centrist would would identify as. So, 
a willingness to see the positive sides of both arguments and choose the one that they align with. Is that what you're saying? I th- An openness I to both I th- sides? I think it's more... Um, and I've been thinking about this word a lot lately and what it means, but I think it's taking a, a more rational approach. Now, I'm not saying... I'm not. I'm not saying when I say that that all centrists or uh, people who identify as centrists are rational. I think the word rational is a tricky one because you can think that you're being rational on a particular issue, but you know society might move, and then your your rationality, your rational argument goes out the window. I I, I always th- thought of myself as someone who prided themselves on being rational, especially after you know, getting into Richard Dawkins and, and Hitchens and Sam Harris and all these guys. These these are rational thinkers, you know, quote unquote. And I looked up to that. I thought that was a good way of, I think it was a- Particularly I, coming I out that. of a religious upbringing as well. Yeah, I, 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 I saw a lot of value in rational thinking, but the older I get, I, I wonder if, um, yeah, I, I, I question how, how much uh, emphasis- uh, someone, one person should put on, on rationality, and if it is, if it is a virtue at all, well, it has to be I, a, a virtue just, I, in I, some. I don't know. It has to be a virtue in some aspects, right? I mean, th- th- this is what yes. I was getting at in terms of like perceived intellectualism, where it's like I think there would be a, a sense if you asked someone in this in this group whether it is better to have thought through a, a topic with rationality or to go by like a gut instinct or a party line, I think that they would say, oh, it's absolutely better to have like done the the thinking on this and thus position themselves as more intellectually rigorous than perhaps just a a blind adherent of either of the major things. That's what I was sort of touching on there. Sure, Um, totally. Sorry. But I think, think, weirdly enough, I I think that rationality can be subjective. And I think, um, you know, take the trans issue for an example. You could rationalize that, you know, biologically born men can't become women. But then you could also rationalize on the other side of the argument. You could rationalize that, you know, people suffer from body dysphoria and um, we should accept them as a society um, for what they identify as. So you could could rationalize both sides of that argument. I think you're 100% right. Rationality... As a human is still subjective, right? Like th- there's computer rationality, like mathematical rationality, but we don't live in a world that just boils down to numbers or to like hard data for 99% of the things that we're thinking about. So it's always going to be based on some degree of subjectivity, right? Yeah. And I think that there is, as, as I was going to say, there's definitely times when rationality should prove the, the better um or, or like a, an important guiding light for certain decision making. Like uh, we should expend all of our resources as a, as a government uh, to prevent the uprise of zombies, and you know invest in huge bunkers and like barbed wire fences just in case that happens because we we want to be prepared. And then a rational argument would say, well, there's no chance that's going to happen, so let's not invest yeah. billions of dollars into the zombie outbreak when we've got other issues to deal with. Like rationality should be applied to decision making but then as we talked about there are there's a subjectivity there where eventually you end up in places that have 
perfectly valid arguments from both sides and it's ultimately a democratic decision or an individual decision that comes down to uh, morality you know you end up if you're trying Mm. to do rational decision making well then you end up at trolley problems which there are you know utilitarian arguments which is pretty closely aligned with rational arguments if you if you think of it that way but then yep. it very quickly becomes messy and there's no clear answers to a whole yeah. bunch of this shit. So you end up trying yeah. to work out what morality you believe in in order to justify your rationality. Mm. You end up in, in, yeah, it's, in it's, philosophy deep dives. Yeah, so it's so messy. I, I, I just, I wonder what's going to happen with like politics and everything. Like it's just, who, who, how could you possibly guess, you know, what's going to happen in, ter- in terms of like social social politics, yeah, it's I have no idea. It's I mean, even if you look back like six years, the amount that the world has it's, changed is crazy. It's crazy. It's insane. Yeah, it's insane. Um, but yeah, old uh, old Rusty Rockets is uh, <laughs> Rusty. I mean, Rockets. We, was that his Twitter? Is that what he was? I think it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I mean. No, I mean we don't know. I haven't even seen the documentary. These are allegations. Yeah. But it feels true. It feels... And if if we've learned anything, Nick... Yeah. If it feels true, it probably is true. <laughs> Go with your gut. Um, yeah, I read the BBC article. I didn't realise there was like a an hour-long doco. Is that what you're saying? Oh, I'll have to have a... Yeah, it's a called Channel 4's, Channel 4's Dispatches. Okay. It's like a... So like a 60-minute sort like, of... Yeah, maybe like a four corners. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, it feels like there's a non-stop, uh, non-stop parade of some of these, you know, big names being found out recently. Who else? Well, uh, I mean, I, this is, I'm not equivocating the two, but um, Jimmy Fallon just had a, a brand hit this past oh, yeah. week where it turned out he was like a very, um, well, according to the the articles and and people interviewed at least uh um, volatile perhaps or um changeable kind of personality running his show behind the scenes and and particularly moody or aggressive (laughs) this this one as well as the ellen one it's like i find it kind of kind of interesting because it's like part of me just expects and maybe we shouldn't expect you know, expect this or tolerate bad behavior, but like it's a high pressure environment. They're putting out a show a week. Like I would expect some sort of volatility from the, the, uh, the guy at the center of, of that. Um, but I like, I think we've known that I think it's also part like, like with the Ellen thing, it's like when people have this public persona, yes, you know, very, very nice and positive and bubbly and blah, blah, blah. And then behind the scenes, it's like people, People see this Jekyll and Hyde thing, and they're like, "Ooh, okay." Yeah. Like, the if facade. you were, uh, if you were, uh, who who's kind of got more of a? I was going to bring up Bill O'Reilly, who's someone who <laughs> he had like a a known temper, and he wore it on his sleeve on his show. But I guess that's uh, that's not a great example either. No, no. You mean uh, okay? Maybe David Letterman. Like, if David Letterman, a little bit grouchier, yeah, yeah. Like, he, but he's you know. Well, he I guess he had his own uh, various scandals over the years. Yes, yeah. but 
But I guess Conan really, I was interested in the Conan resurfacing. A lot of people were post this um, or in the aftermath of this Jimmy Fallon uh, Rolling Stone article, um, Conan was trending on Twitter because people were like, well, you know, just a reminder that, you know, you don't have to be a prick. Um, and, you know, people uh, pointing at Conan, the, the loyalty that Conan's staff had to him yeah. um, for an extended number of years. Yeah. I mean, his um, his persona is interesting because he definitely he's what, Conan's Conan. He's he's what almost sixty now or something like that. Um, and he is there are jokes that he cracks that I don't think a younger um host or performer would go for. But he does. Do you mean it in terms of like references? Or? No. Well, he, his his brand. He does bring up like the war and like ancient uh, yeah, presidential like history and stuff a lot, which is his brand. That's, <laughs> that's funny. And or like Lucille Ball. Yeah, like, like just strange go, like nineteen like, twenties like film references yeah. and things. Um, but uh, no, I mean like he he will he slightly slightly crack like sexualized jokes yeah. about his reaction to like a hot actress or something like that. And yeah, he goes yeah. there and it's very self-deprecating and it's, and it's invariably he makes himself the butt of the joke, but he goes there in a way that I don't think you'd ever see like a Seth Meyers talk about like oh. how like hot Scarlett Johansson is or whatever, you know, when they yeah, come yeah, on the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so there, there, you can see generational changes there, but you're right that Conan has an almost um, a fanatically loyal staff that have, have seen very little turnover over a very long time. And other than, do you remember there was like one woman who complained about being fired or something weird, maybe like 10 vaguely. years ago. And when that vaguely. vaguely came out, like everyone, every other woman on staff or whatever came out and said like, this is not going and this, this woman was not yeah. um, treated uh, in this way or whatever. Um, so I, as you say, there are definitely ways to be a good person <laughs> and still deal with the pressures of daily TV for decades. And um, Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon's long been rumored to have like a, a drinking problem, hasn't he? Yeah. Well, that was included in this article as well. Like his mood seemed to be dependent on how hungover he was from the night before. That's what they say I mean, in this article. That makes him more likable, I think. <laughs> Does it? Does it? Yeah. Why are you drinking just... yourself to like a stupor every night when you're like a multimillionaire? I just love. I just would love to see you know Jimmy Fallon just like the idea of like a, a troubled lonesome Jimmy Fallon drinking by himself in his, you know, million multi-million dollar mansion is like, I'm like, what? Like that doesn't, I can't, um, I can't picture it, but I would love to see it. Maybe I, mean, I'll get I feel AI like I know what he'd be like drunk, you know, like I, he already slurs most of his words anyway. Like, I feel like I, I can picture it. Yeah. I know. It is pretty weird that like, do you remember when Jimmy Fallon first came on air and I remember, the, I remember the watching the first two episodes when it was on you free mean, to late air, show? Like channel ten, late uh, show, yeah, uh, late, uh, sorry, late night. And I remember just thinking, like the third episode, I was like, "This is not going to last." Like he is so out of his depth, and I don't know, I don't know how Lord Michael's um, picked, uh, picked it. I um, mean, he he did see something. I mean, like there was an era there, whenever it was, like early twenty tens, I guess. 
How long has he been doing it? No, it must be longer. Late 20... Wait, who did he take over from? Uh... He didn't take over from Letterman, did he? No, that was Colbert. <sighs> oh, I forget. Oh, oh was it, it was because it was Craig when the Ferguson? Leno shit was going down, right? Yeah. Uh, I can't remember. Um, because I, I, I think it was Conan was in Late Night and then Leno was Tonight Show. Then Leno left and Conan got the gig. And I think that's when Jimmy started Late Night. Then Leno came back and fucked over Conan, who left. Yeah. And then Letterman left soon after. And then Fallon took over. Oh, I can't remember. Anyway. Oh, it, it was it was Leno. Yeah, it he was sometime around Leno. all the Leno kerfuffles. But yeah, what, yeah. When, whatever that era was, when he came on the scene and he started doing these games, it was like people really genuinely responded to it. Like it was fun to see celebrities doing things. It was sort of in that the rise of YouTube era as well, where like have, seeing celebrities as uh, not just like being asked standard questions, but like doing silly things or being up for a game and that sort of thing was a genuinely good pivot and they saw success for it. Um, yeah. So I don't know whether Lorne had anticipated that kind of change coming and, and put someone in it who suited it. But um, yeah. I could imagine hosting a show like that and doing that kind of, like never getting deep with anyone you ever speak to or never like having real conversations because you always like have your head in a box. I could imagine that gets a little bit like <laughs> wearying over 15 years. Yeah, I mean the the the, um, the this kind of re- reduction of celebrity is is interesting in itself as like a social gimmick. Uh, you know, like Jimmy Fallon is such a far cry from like Johnny Carson, who's like this sophisticated man. You know, Jimmy yeah. Ca- Jimmy Fallon is a boy. Yeah, uh, doing silly little games and like carry carpool karaoke. I know that's what's his name, fuckface. Corden. Yeah, Corden. Um, but these, I just, I just really don't understand why any celebrity would do like a lip lip sync battle or carpool karaoke. Like, you just look like a goon. Yeah, I guess it was. But I guess it represents the society that we live in. I'll be it's very curious. Stuff. I mean, I don't know if it's the job that he wants, but if because it feels like they're the same age or similar age, but if Fallon left and Seth Meyers took over the Tonight Show. I don't mm. think that it would be games and goofs. Like, do you know? Yeah. You, I think whoever next gets that gig, that the tone of that show will change again. Well, sh- surely they need to have either a person of color or a, a, a woman. Like, they can't just keep having white white men. And I'm I'm not like I love how I have to like caveat the things that I say. I'm like, <laughs> well, I'm not saying some worky shit. But like in today's day and age how could a studio go for another straight white man? Or is that what America actually wants? Well, I, I think the bigger question is... Are they ready is, for a woman? I mean, late night as a linear TV block, you know, no one's actually watching at 12.37 Seth Meyers come onto their TV no. screen, right? It's all built now for the next day viewing on the YouTube. And so it'd be very interesting to see whether that and international viewing you know not even 
not yeah. even just specifically to the US. So I think you're right. It'll be very interesting to see whether that market, if they're going to try and retain any linear TV at all, like try and market mm. for the people actually watching it at 12.30 a.m., or whether you do lean into something younger and fresher and, you know, cast someone, you know, outside of that James, that white James <laughs> demographic that seems to have had a... Yeah. Um, control over it all. Yeah, it's weird that the, the late late nights are basically just like clip generators. You know, they're just like the sum of their clips at this yeah. point. Yeah. Like who is watching those shows? I, I I used to watch Letterman. Well, when I first got a TV in my room at like, I think it was like 14, I saved up and bought myself a, uh, you know, a like a, a TV, like it must have been like a like 15 a inch TV. Yeah. But it was like 30 inches at the back, you know, with yeah, one of those CRT, ones. It had yeah. like a huge... <laughs> and um, uh, my, I convinced my parents to let me have it in my room, which was... Did it have a built-in VHS decision. player? No, I got my own. Okay. Um, but I would watch Letterman, you know, every night. And it was like, I would watch the whole program. But I just cannot, I cannot imagine anyone really watching that now. Like I, even I don't, I don't even know where to get them. Like you just, yeah. you, you watch an interview if you, if there's someone that you like, or, you know, if there's, um, I don't know, someone's issuing a, a, an apology <laughs> for, uh, for <laughs> yeah. something that's come out in the papers. Uh, it's interesting. Um, I just saw overnight. Do you ever watch Taskmaster? Is that, have you ever dabbled in the old uh, every, TM? Every now with Greg Davies. Yeah. Um, Every now and then, yeah, I love that show. It's it's um it's got like the UK stuff is classic. Taskmaster New Zealand is actually surprisingly good, and you'll see a lot of international fans of the New Zealand version because it's absolute chaos in the the most wonderful way. Um, okay. But I just saw today that they announced the next series of the British one is going full episode straight up on YouTube the next day for American and other audiences. So they must have not found a distribution partner in, in the US or maybe not one that wanted to pay the money they wanted or something like that. And it's got a huge YouTube presence already. Like they put out a lot of clips for it. And they've now just decided, well, fuck it, 45-minute episodes just going up live the next day for the rest of the world after it airs. Oh, like wow. we're in a very different era now. That's a linear TV British show that is now... A YouTube show as well. That's pretty wow. pretty wild. So uh, to 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 wrap my my thought up, I wonder how long it is before uh, NBC just decides. Well, here's the 45 minute episode of the Tonight Show for everyone outside of the US. You can just watch it now. You can watch the whole thing if you wanted to watch it, like you watch YouTube. Well, if the thing is like getting ad revenue, I'm sure yeah. they could monetize it in a way yeah. that you know get, keeps the sponsors happy. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're living in changing times. Uh, what are we talking about this week, Michael? We're 45 minutes in. <laughs> uh, uh, fucked if I know, Nick. Fucked if I know. How do you feel about some science news? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think you can do better than that. How do we feel about some science news? Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Play the jingle. It's that time. Time for science news. Hunter. 
Podcast. Okay, old article here, but a good one. Uh, cancer and heart disease vaccines, quote, ready by the end of the decade. The pharmaceutical mm-hmm. firm says groundbreaking, brown, brown, jab, shaking, groundbreaking jabs. I am rapping. <laughs> <laughs> groundbreaking jabs could save millions of lives. Millions of lives could be saved by a groundbreaking set of new vaccines for a range of conditions, including cancer, experts have said. A leading pharmaceutical firm says it's confident that jabs for cancer, cardiovascular and autoimmune diseases and other conditions will be ready by 2030. Studies into these vaccinations are also showing tremendous promise, with some researchers saying 15 years worth of progress has been unspooled in 12 to 18 months thanks to the success of the COVID jab. Dr. Paul Burden, the chief medical officer of Moderna, says he believes the firm will be able to offer such treatments for all sorts of disease areas in as little as five years. We will have that vaccine and it will be highly effective and it will save hundreds of thousands, if not millions of lives. I think we'll be able to offer personalized cancer vaccines against multiple different tumor types to people around the world. Burden said, I think we'll have mRNA-based therapies for rare diseases that were previously undruggable. And I think that 10 years from now, we'll be approaching a world where you can truly identify the genetic cause of a disease and with relative simplicity, go and edit that out and repair it using mRNA-based technology. Um, wow. So I, I, I won't go on too much further, but I do want to read just one more part of this technicality thing because I think it's interesting. Um So the mRNA molecule instructs cells to make proteins. By injecting a synthetic form, cells can pump out proteins we want our immune system to strike. An mRNA-based cancer vaccine would alert the immune system to a cancer that's already growing in a patient's body so it can attack and destroy it without destroying healthy cells. First, doctors take a biopsy of a patient's tumor and send it to a lab where its genetic material is sequenced to identify mutations that aren't present in healthy cells. A machine learning algorithm then identifies which of these mutations are responsible for driving the cancer's growth. Over time, it learns which parts of the abnormal proteins are most likely to trigger an immune response, and then mRNAs for the most promising antigens are manufactured and packaged into a personalized vaccine. Hmm. So it looks like one of the silver linings of this COVID vaccine acceleration is that this technology can now be applied to many other different areas. And we might be entering this kind of personalized golden age where if you get found with a tumor, they can scrape it, sort it out in a lab, work out the thing that you need personally to undo it and then inject it into your body so that your body can defeat it. Isn't that amazing? Well, it's first of all, a couple of things. Great for me because I've just taken up smoking again. Oh, um, no. Michael. Mm-hmm. Well, vaping's illegal, so I have to do something. Um, <laughs> so this is great news. Um, second of all, all I could hear throughout that, um, that reading was just the, the cries of the unborn conspiracy theorists <laughs> saying this, this, is, this is what they're, they're going to give you, a personalized vaccine to control you. And, yeah. you know, maybe they've got a point. Um, now, this is great news, obviously, but, uh, you know, we're already suffering from a housing crisis due to overpopulation all over the world. Like, if we, if we, and I'm just focusing on the negatives here of this like, <laughs> you r- do miraculous yeah. scientific, <laughs> scientific discovery. It's also disconcerting in your big comedy T-shirt, but, yes, continue. <laughs> <laughs> that... You know, if if what are the implications of like if we if we get if we take care of cancer, 
what is that going to do to the population? The ripple effects are going to be insane. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that that's an immediate worry because I'm sure the cost of this kind of procedure for a long time is going to be very prohibitive to all but the richest Western nations. Mm. I think the other oh, interesting good. thing there is... <laughs> Michael. The... Um, the uh, I'm pretty sure birth rates are declining just about everywhere, right? Like, maybe the solution for this is going to be the fucking sperm count zero, which we talked about recently. Or yeah. a year or two ago, where we're just no longer capable of actually having kids anymore, or not at the yeah. um, numbers that people want anymore. And so, well, apparently, <laughs> millennials and itself. Gen Z, millennials and Gen Z are having less sex than ever in history. So maybe we're subconsciously yeah. just taking care of it. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the system works. Yeah, are you having less sex in, in any time in history? Um. I I'm not going to answer that. Nick. <laughs> uh, Lauren Lauren is off the balcony. There is no there is nothing I could say would be a, an appropriate answer there. So I plead the fifth. Well done. You've grown as a person. And I'm this, shaking. That was a I'm that was a trap. Right <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I yeah, don't know so, how much there is to talk about so, these vaccines, but. I mean, it's just, it's, I feel like people have been saying that there's going to be a COVID, uh, oh, sorry, uh, cancer cancer treatment for a long time. It's like the big, it's the white whale. It's the one that everyone wants. Yeah. Um, it'd be, it'd be, be amazing to see. I, I guess you would see, you'd, if you were a betting man, you'd, you'd probably bet that cancer would be cured at least in our lifetime. I mean, the, within the, the, 10 years, the, it'd be wild. The age-old correction to that has been there is no such thing as a cure for cancer because every cancer is different and operates differently. So for a long time, the medical pushback has been like, there's not just one. You can't just have one answer. Well, wouldn't it be interesting if what the one answer was was a technology and a process of identifying this tumor has this protein that operates in this way and then feed it into the computer and find the machine learning you know, model which gives you the best chance of a um, an antigen that seems to me like they are actually talking about a universal process there like that maybe there's not one jab that stops all cancers but that as a procedure or a technique is actually more applicable to more cancers than we expected i find that kind of um ironic hmm. <clears throat> yeah don't listen to your doctor Nick <laughs> um, that's what i said yeah, but I guess um, what was I going to say? The uh, I guess identifying the cancer is you know half the battle. I'm not a medical medical guy, but like I guess that's a big part of it. It's like even just getting just identifying what cancer you have and getting it earlier on. Um, right. So that reminds me, this is an old article. This is two years old, so there may be updates subsequent to it. Um, but I've had it in my list for ages talking exactly about this thing. It's it's a Guardian article. It's entitled Blood Test That Finds 50 Types of Cancer Is Accurate Enough to Be Rolled Out. So there's a diagnostic tool piloted by the NHS which shows impressive results in spotting tumors in early stages. A simple blood test that can detect more than 50 types of cancer before any clinical signs or symptoms of the disease emerge in a person is accurate enough to be rolled out as a screening test, according to scientists. It's being piloted by the NHS and aimed at people with high risk of the disease, including patients aged 50 and older. 
It is able to identify many types of disease that are difficult to diagnose in the early stages, such as head and neck, ovarian, pancreatic, esophageal, and some blood cancers. Scientists said that the test accurately detects cancer often before any signs or symptoms appear while having a very low false positive rate. Uh, the Guardian first reported on the test last year and how it had been developed using a machine learning algorithm, a type of artificial intelligence. It works by examining the DNA that's shed by tumors and found circulating in the blood. More specifically, it focuses on changes, chemical changes to this DNA known as methylation patterns. So uh, that plays on what we we're talking about earlier in terms of the early onset and the screening test um, being so much better these days. But I find the interesting commonality here as well is in the machine learning side of it. Like we're applying now these sort of neural networks and, and very advanced computing processes to our medicine and our diagnoses and letting them do the pattern recognition, not letting just the doctor look at the tests and decide, oh, is that or is that not likely to be the thing? But applying it to huge data sets and comparisons beyond what humans themselves are capable of doing and seeing some really impressive results. Yeah, I think I honestly would, if it if it's, if it's a diagnosis is deter, like um, informed by at least uh, pattern recognition, I want a computer, you know, 99 times out of 100 over a doctor, over yeah. a human doctor. Yeah. You know, we're so scared about, uh, you know, the robots taking over and, you know, what are we going to do? You know, if they turn against us, you know, a robot might actually save your life. It's really true. How about that? Yeah. Wait a really. That's very centrist of you. Thank you. <laughs> I have no team. Yeah. Um, look, I, I don't know that we have much much more to discuss there, but we're in an interesting era now, and um, it's cool to see medicine um, progressing alongside technology, and um, and hopefully it means better and longer lives for all of us. A win for science and a win for all of mankind. Oh, that's very well said. You like that? Yeah. Pretty beautiful. good, isn't it? Yeah. If you've enjoyed this podcast, well, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for participating in in the enjoyment. Um, I've certainly enjoyed it. So that's, that's two for two as far as I'm concerned. There's plenty more episodes in the feed there if you want to keep this good, good fun going. Pick out another episode and then while you're doing that, Rate us on iTunes or Apple Music or Spotify or send us an email to deepfortagmail.com. Find us on social media, flick a message, you know, let us know what you're up to. And we'll be sure to consider that next time we speak. Deep Fort OnlyFans. <laughs> is, is that a good idea? I don't know if it is. I don't no. know if it is. What's the market? Okay. Put it. Uh, well, you sent me a photo. You sent me a, <laughs> you sent me a photo. <laughs> You sent me a you sent me a message. I sent you a photo of my feet the other day at, yeah. at the pool, and you you suggested I did that say don't I give it away. Could for turn free. that into some passive income. I mean, maybe we just post photos of our feet. Maybe that's all we needed um, to really push this podcast to the next level. Just at least to get some little, at least enough money to pay for the domain name. The hosting from, <laughs> yeah, the hosting from feeds every year. That would be nice. Yeah. Never turned That'd a just profit. Be nice. Never turned a profit this <laughs> podcast, I should say. Yeah. Every every meeting that we have around uh, around the end of June, Nick, our, our accounting. Yeah. It's like, well, Nick, yeah, we're, uh, we'll still get in the red. straight again. <laughs> still in the red, Michael. Yes. Yeah. And yet again, we persist. Again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, I got I got one thing to 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 bring up here and i need an okay. outsider's opinion you got a, you got a second 
Yeah, yeah. Am okay. I an outsider? Yeah. An outsider from okay. my head. Okay. <laughs> so cute. Uh, so picture this. You're at home. You're minding yep. your business. Let's say you're listening to Deep Thought on the couch, having a, a bourbon and not wearing any clothes. This is hypothetical. It's not really relevant to the story hand, but just to paint a picture. Wow. All right. Then you hear the, the garden gate open the front, you know, front of your house. Someone's come to visit. It's a door knock situation. And it's maybe three o'clock in the afternoon. You've you got a feeling this is a salesman of some type. Um, you're not okay. expecting a package. You're not expecting a friend. Someone here is to make you an offer. And well, then, it really sounds like the sound of a porno right yeah. now, doesn't it? Um, and then you, you hear the footsteps up to the door. And this is what happens. Uh-huh. Am I wrong in thinking that is a very intrusive knock? Is that too friendly for too friendly. A, a salesman to come up cold call and try and pitch you something? Because I felt a little bit taken aback by the joviality of a of a, a comedy knock, you know? Totally. It's too it's too familiar. It's the equivalent of someone just meeting you and going Hey, can I call you Nico? Nico, how you going? Oh, like, that's exactly uh, what it is. It is. It's like, no, this is for my, my friends can do that. Yeah. But you can't do that. You don't know me. Also, what are they selling? It was a, uh, a KiwiSaver thing, like a, a financial plan, effectively. Ugh. Well, they're just, they're just trying to spice up their day because their life sucks, obviously. Because they have to do it around a thousand times a day. And you've got to the point where... That gesture is the only part of joy that you have in a in a tedious and unsuccessful job. It's their their only creative outlet of the job. Okay, now have a stab here at demographics. Who do you think was behind that door when I opened it? Mm. Um, okay, so I think my hunch is that it's a little bit too. Sorry, was it a? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that that to me uh, uh, tells me that it's an older person because that's a that's an old school rhythm. Mm-hmm. But, but, but I mean, but, that, it's been around but, forever. But, yeah, it's been around forever. I don't see a I don't see anyone in Gen Z doing a but 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 but. It's almost like Looney Tunes. I think I think it's probably got its origins in Looney Tunes. <laughs> um, uh, so I think I think we're talking uh, someone in there. I would say. Age range fifty to, s- you know what, forty eight to s- for fifty eight. All right, you ready? Hold on to your socks. Yep. Thirty one. Get thirty one. I mean, out. I didn't ask him his age. What are you doing? But this is this is a guy who looked a little bit younger than I did. White guy. Yeah. Fit, young, healthy. Okay. <laughs> should know better is my point. You know, like he's out there in the world. He knows he knows what the associations that you bring to a knock of that sort of, you know, looseness. Uh, and I was, I think, I was as taken aback by the fact that the sound happened as by who performed it. I don't want to read too much into this. Actually, I actually do. I actually do want to read too much into this. I think that's the point, isn't it? I think um, it probably is. This this guy, for, for the little that I know about him, mm-hmm. uh, being. Exactly 31 years old, yeah. definitely. <laughs> um, fit, young, healthy. Yeah, shirtless. With a bit of a... Rippling bite, bit of yeah. a, a, An extroverted um, 
massive extrovert energy. He seems like the type of guy that I would definitely order, uh, uh, order, um, uh, avoid fans. at a party. He's the type of guy that uh, will happily um, play guitar, play a, a, an acoustic guitar at a gathering, and not have any shame about it. He's 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 he wants the spotlight. He does. He thinks he's special. He does strike me as a bring a guitar to a house party kind of person. But let me mm-hmm. let me just let me wrap this story up and see whether I can change your opinion of him with this one last factoid. So okay. he said, I don't know uh, if you've thought much about your Kiwi saver, which is a, it's a, a superannuation effectively for New Zealand. And I said, yeah. and it is something that I could really get into and that I have lived and worked here for many years. It is an option available to me. But I said, lie. Mm. Uh, well, I'm Australian, so I don't, you know. And he looked at me, he said, absolutely no worries. Have a good one, mate. And turned around and walked off. No hard sell, no follow up, no push. Now, what do you mm. think about it? Well, obviously, like that, but it, it just kind of confirms what I think, uh, and that is that he he doesn't like doing his job. Yeah. He thinks he's special. He thinks he should be an actor. He thinks he should be gotcha. a stand-up comedian or a podcaster. He probably so had he an audition to get to, job. and he was just trying to tick off as many houses as he could. Before he, you know, hid in the car, went down to the studio and, and, and you know, put down a tape. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't give a shit about the job. He's just not gonna he's not gonna push it. That actually, yeah, it fits with what I what mm. I know about him. Okay. Um but it it doesn't like make me like him less or more. I just I just think he's kind of a scumbag. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make me think any less of him. He's just a scumbag. <laughs> I already okay. knew he was a scumbag. Well, I appreciate yeah. that. I, you know, I was getting in my head about it. I wasn't sure whether my reaction was valid or not. Can I just ask you a question? Um, yeah. The, throughout this conversation that you had with him about your kiwi saver, were you still naked and holding the glass of bourbon? Yeah, but I was holding it across okay. my crotch, so it was tasteful. Okay, and you had one headphone in. Uh, yeah, what, I was still keeping so, the podcast playing. Obviously, the the metrics okay. are really quite important for us. So yeah, I wouldn't have. Yeah. I wouldn't have paused. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, cool. I just wanted to get that full picture. Yeah, yeah. This was a hypothetical. I, I, you know. Yeah, yeah. Just because yeah. I can explicitly yeah, yeah. describe all of the ways, you know, and things that were happening, doesn't mean that it that did happen. Yeah. And what time of day was this? It was well? it was three o'clock. You know. Three o'clock yeah. in the afternoon. In the afternoon, three p.m. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Getting sat on the bourbons a bit early, but yeah, it was a busy Wednesday. Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Hey, I got a, I got a, a, a quick little um, segment idea to end this with. Yeah. Um, do you, All right, do you, you're um, full of, uh, full of ideas. I had this, well, this is the one I had Love pending it. from last week, and I decided to, to oh, box yeah. it. Um, yep. But uh, doesn't have a jingle yet. Maybe if it comes back again, we can consider it. Mm-hmm. But uh, here's here's my question. Here's, here's here's the name of it, and I think you'll get the question straight away. Mm-hmm. Celebrity groomsman, okay. Michael. You're getting married. Congratulations. Yeah. None Thank of your friends you. are available, but you have a Rolodex mm. of Hollywood's hottest names. Who's mm. who's your celebrity picks for groomsmen? Who, who are you getting there to, to show you a good bucks weekend and a great wedding? Now, can I, can I take a more of a, 
2023 approach to this and include yep. women as well because no you know no okay it has to be men i think that for this purpose i think celebrity groomsmen is its own segment and then mm-hmm. we can do celebrity bridesmaids in a future segment okay well um I've got two right off the bat. Okay, I knew you would. Then, I knew that this is one that you would and you would be able to respond instantly with. Yeah, yeah, and I think they might surprise you. Okay, or maybe not. <laughs> Russell Brand. But- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or, or Rusty Rockets. Yeah. Um, these two are a pair. Okay. Yeah, but it's Ernie. Vince Vaughn. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 I can't decide of out of uh, John Favreau or um, Owen Wilson. Well, I think that I you think have Owen... three. I think you have three groomsmen. Is what I'm. What I'm. Okay. I think your party is three. So okay. unquestionably, right. Vince is in the mix. Vince Vaughn's in. Vince is Vince Vaughn. He's so fun. So before he's we get to be, part two, yeah, talking t- to t- the... tell me, tell me why. But he's just like he's pure charm. I know he's a bit of a. A bit of a, a bit, a bit problematic, like like nothing, nothing, nothing really has happened to Vince Vaughn, but it's probably coming, and oh. there's probably oh, if, I don't think you should if tar did him some, with that brush. Look, I don't. It doesn't make me like him any less. I just think he's probably got some skeletons, <laughs> right? Which is fine, um, but Vince Vaughn is going to be great because first of all, he's got that swingers wedding crashes charm. Okay, I'm expecting you know he's, he's going to work like, in a wedding sitch. He's gonna. He's probably gonna. He's probably gonna take the the mic off the celebrant, and he's like, "I'm gonna, buddy, take a hike. I'm gonna do it from here." Uh-huh. That's the kind of energy I'm looking to bring. Okay. And he's also he's also gonna be dancing with Bubba. You know, uh-huh. he's gonna be he's gonna be flirting with my mum, but not too much. Yeah, That's in a the charming kind of energy way. I want. Yeah, in a charming way. Yeah, Fran's now, gonna be like, might... "Oh, Vince is so nice." <laughs> How do you know him again? I'm like, "Don't worry, mum. <laughs> Don't worry." <laughs> it was a dark weekend. Um, <laughs> But that's the, I mean, look, there is, I've seen Vince Vaughn talk uh, in interviews and he did a show with, I think John Favreau did a show called uh, Dinner for Five, which yeah. I really love. Yeah. And he's got that, he, he's the same, you know, I, my impression of him is that he's the same. He's that smooth talking wedding crashes guy yeah. on and off the camera. And that's what I'm booking him as my number one group. Okay. For. So he, he's, he's the... He's, uh, what do you call him? Groom of Honor. What's the best opposite? Man. Best man. Best. Thank you. Groom, Groom of Honor. Um, do you, are you going to, are you going to do one? Well, well, I haven't prepared any, so I am starting to actually now think in my background, but you keep going, you fill out your party and I'll see what I okay. can get to. All right. I know I initially said that I want John Favreau or Owen Wilson, but that's off the table. I think it's going to be too much personality in the room. I oh. want to leave a little bit, little, little bit of personality for, for myself, you know, I, yeah. I you know. You, you don't want, want to be outshone. Vince to completely. Yeah. I don't want to be outshone. Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in a. I mean, how am I not going to be outshone? I'm picking three celebrities as my groomsmen. Yeah, but um, their personality is what's going to keep them under control. You know, like you want people who know their role, which is is to make you look good. Mm. All right. For number two, maybe a bit of a curveball, but just find him really exciting. Um. Ezra Miller. <laughs> wow, that is a curveball. They've not been 
the most stable in terms of showing up when they needed to <laughs> or you know sticking to no gun rules or like avoiding kidnappings so that is <laughs> that that is just to bring a bit ambitious... of it you want something of, of that uh bit of an excitement yeah you want a bit of that uh, uh what's to deal with kevin energy yeah yeah i do wow yeah so uh what do you think ezra miller is going to bring to your bucks weekend for one but also to the wedding? what i'm what i'm hoping is just a touch of chaos okay just a touch are there not safer choices for a little bit of touch of chaos like shia labeouf i was thinking about oh. him oh oh i don't know which of those is better and to be frank i'm not sure i'd want any of them there on my wedding day <laughs> No one wants them there. <laughs> You're bringing them. This is your. This is your. You've gone to them and you've said, "Will you be part of my party?" Yeah, I think. It, I think it'd be fun. I think okay. actually, Shy is like, Shy is probably a safer bet there, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, lock in Ezra Miller. Um, he seems <laughs> like he's a good kid. Um, oh, okay. Num- yeah. Number three. Number three. Hmm. You know what? I'm leaning. I don't want to. I don't want there to be dead air. So I'm. I'm just like. I'm not thinking about this too hard, Nick. But mm-hmm. I think just a classic clone tang. I think you um, want a Clooney there. Yeah, this is a bit of a gener- generational kind of. You know, I guess Vince Vaughn's a bit younger than than Clunes. Yeah, maybe he's the same age. Who knows? Got Ezra in there. I mean, it's a wild <laughs> mix. It is a wild. It's mix. gonna. Do you think that they'd get along? Like what? A, I mean. I guess Vince Vaughn, he'll, 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 he's the middle ground between Clooney and Ezra. <laughs> well, yeah, I think Vince has got, Vince is like a republic. He's like a, wasn't he a Trump, openly a Trump supporter? Really? And then you've, yeah. And then you've got Clooney, who's <laughs> probably not, I'm guessing, the furthest thing from a Trump supporter you can get. And then Ezra, who just is living in his own head. Uh, I think it just, I'd love to see those three together. Oh, man. I mean, it would be an interesting movie. <laughs> It'd be interesting. Yes. But yeah. I'm not sure that I would necessarily trust them to, like, handle the Bucks weekend. I guess Clooney would, would handle a Bucks weekend okay. Okay, I'm going to, I just had a, I just had an epiphany. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to swap out Ezra. That was, that was okay. probably stupid. Okay. I don't want that. Okay. Okay, and I've got I've got the perfect guy who I think will slot in between Vince and Clunes okay. perfectly. Okay. Richard Aowadi. <laughs> see, that's a nice pick. I, I that's I, a I nice like pick. That. Don't you think you can see them all, also? The, I think Richard Aowadi and Vince Vaughn did do a movie together. I think Aowadi is going to hate it. Like I, I don't yeah. strike. He is not a person that I picture enjoying a wedding. No. <laughs> but he'd be a great celebrant though he'd be he'd give a great speech it'd be hilarious okay so you're giving him the the like reception speech uh i don't know what that is you know like like the 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 best man speech he's the one doing yeah, it or is yeah. it still vince no i think i'm gonna give it to richard and let let vince do the schmoozing on the d floor okay so he's a bit more and like then- with the people and Clunes doesn't really have a role. He's just there and the mums will come up and he's kind of like the, just that cool 
cool energy. Okay. You know, he might dance a little bit, but you know, he's he's, he's a guy that's like out. always filling your drink for you, and like making yeah. sure that you 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 know you've got what you need. Yeah, and he's like he'll 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 buy me a really nice gift. I imagine as well. Well, it'll just be an espresso machine, but yeah, sure. Well, I'll take it. Um, I'm gonna need a little bit of help filling out my party i think because i've got one strong start and then i, I think okay. i'm gonna need some suggestions here as to like how to round it out a little bit more yep um you can help i think look if we're, we're honest i think vince vaughn is a good pick but i think there is only one man that i trust to be the best man in my wedding and that's paul rudd because paul rudd oh, that is has that is has good. the charm but he also, he's not going to upstage you. He's going to be quietly no. winning. He's going to be there for you if you need, like, need to straighten your tie. And then he's going to just good. like have your back. He'll have your back. So I feel like that's the linchpin of my, my groomsman party right now. And then I think that's I just need, pick. I think I need a little bit more. Yeah, I think I need a little bit of energy and excitement. And I think I need maybe like a an older sort of father type figure or something. Yeah. To sort of like round out that category. So what, what do you reckon? Um, I'm guessing, by the way, you know, people tell me all the time that I have poor red energy. So, you know, okay. that could become a reality for you, Nick. Okay. Um, uh, I th- I'm guessing that you're, uh, when you, when you're speaking about like an older kind of dad energy, you, you're Clint Eastwood's probably too, oh, too, he's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's too, too busy talking to chairs and things there. That could be fun. Um, uh, all right, so that's too much. Maybe you're like a uh, okay, oh, okay. Actually, Alec, here's, Alex here's Baldwin. One. Here's one. I, I, I'm going to pause the dad thing for a bit because I'm not sure I don't okay. want Alec Baldwin there either. I think number two, <laughs> very strong choice here. I want James A. Caster. I want James A. Caster oh. there because oh. I feel like he's got a little bit of the chaos. He's got a little bit of the comedy, yeah. you know. And he's not like crazy, crazy, but he's he's got the sort of impulsiveness and, and energy that'll make a yes. Bucks weekend fun. No, he's not going to drink. He's definitely not going to drink too much. No, no. Like he's not going to be that kind of liability. Oh, these are good ones. I want these ones. Okay. And also Paul Rudd, Paul and James are going to get along. Oh, you know they're going to get along. They're going to get along so well. They're going to start a yeah. podcast or something. That's my only fear. Maybe that's a little bit too much connective energy. Maybe I start to become an outsider. It, no, I think it all it's all um, determined by the, the third choice. Oh, okay. You need something to neutralize the energy. Neutralize and sort of harmonize. And I, I mean, I don't think the, I want uh, like a Joaquin Phoenix. No, he's Maybe he's I want someone a bit musical. No fun. What about a Bo Burnham? Oh. Mm. He might be I a little bit is... too flat. Flat? Like yeah. sharp? That, no, as in like, I'm not sure what I would, what he would bring to that mix. I think he would definitely bring a different uh, neutralizing energy to James and Paul. Yeah. But I don't know. I think he might need to, he could be a bit silly too. He can. I Do I need a, something a bit musical? Someone with a, with a bit more like of a... Not like a comedy actor flavor, but like something a little bit like a Johnny Depp. Mm, that's what I was missing, Johnny Depp. <laughs> that's that's no? the, that's possibly um, that's going to raise more questions. I think. Well, you, you say musician, and I, I, I 
gave you an answer. Yeah. Um, uh, is he known for his music? He has a guitar. Okay. He definitely has a guitar. <laughs> he has a guitar. Is a very low standard for celebrity these days, or for musician, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> Um, I think he might need some a bit of an older energy now that I think about it. Okay, what about Tim Oliphant? Because he's got a too sort good of looking, too good looking, too good looking. But maybe that's what I need, so that like it's a little bit like like you need someone who can walk you into a bar without having to like stand in line. You know, you, you need someone who like if someone starts like rabble rousing at the paintball arcade who has enough skills there to like really put down any opposition and get your team to win, you know? Oh, Nick, 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 Nick. Okay, I'm, I'm listening. I've got it, I've got it, okay. I've got it. I've, not, I've got the perfect thirdsman for okay. you. I'm calling it. it a thirdsman now. Yeah, it's, I mean, you've got the groom of honour, number two, and the thirdsman. Seth Myers. Seth Myers. That's a great call. That's he's going to put, fit in perfectly. He's going to facilitate. Because he, he yeah. is going to be the one who can do the speech. He's not best man, but he can do the speech for me. And you know it's going to be great. It's going to have it's a little bit of a dig at you, but not go too far. He's witty. He's charming. He's not going to outstay his welcome. Yeah. He's not too much. And you know he gets along famously with Paul and James. Oh, he loves them both. It's, it's on tape. We've, it's we've seen it. It's perfect. Paul it's Rudd, best man, James A. Caster there, young, youthful energy, comedy, bit of chaos, and Seth there, just to, like, balance it all out. Mwah. What a what mm. a perfect wedding. Bon appetito. Bon appetito. Now, if, if we're getting married, you yeah. and I, we're oh, both bringing all these groomsmen parties mesh. What a sausage fest this is going to be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do take your point made at the top of this, that you know if if i was to get married it would be an open open casket you know men and women both mm. welcome um so we, we'd have grooms people but yeah for this exercise o- open casket open casket yeah anyone's welcome okay yeah is that what that, that that's means? how it's said okay yeah it's really yeah it's like death at a funeral <laughs> death at a death at a funeral death at a wedding death at a wedding someone's thought of that before do you have an out there? No, no I don't, don't know. Please don't no. use the other thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just like bleep all of that. Yeah, the last then, 25 uh, seconds, yeah. And then just be like, If okay, I can just bye. get you to clearly, you know, cleanly ask, do you have an out there again? That'll be perfect, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Do you want me to ask it again? Yeah, just yeah, just, just in case. Do you, do you reckon you, you got what you need there, Nick? Do you have an out? <laughs> Bit of, bit of I don't know. That, yeah, I, I feel like I, I didn't have the same sort of emotion in that that I wanted. I want to. I want to feel like you're desperate for this out. <laughs> I just want to leave. I am desperate. <laughs> yeah, g- give me, give me one more take where you like really want to make sure that we we got this. All right, Nick. Are you? Uh, do you have an out there or what? We good? Mm, I didn't Did buy it. That? No. I, 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 I imagine. Bring, um, imagine that gems energy. The most important thing to you to know that this podcast was good. I know it doesn't come to you naturally like that, but imagine that you really cared about how this ended. And then I want to hear desperation. I want to hear uh, enthusiasm. And I want it to sound like almost it would crush you if it didn't happen. 
I'm not doing that, man. I'm not doing that. I'm not a fucking, I'm not your little muse, little Harvey Weinstein energy <laughs> right now. What? <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to 12 for you. Fucking 12, bitch. <laughs> That's what he said. 12, bitch. <laughs> oh, God. I have blood on my shorts. <laughs> and I, I have no idea why. <laughs> That's real. That's real.